Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Hey, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. This is, I'm your host, Christina Pease. <laughs> I'm really fucking spaced out today, man. What is happening? We got a sick toddler uh, in the house. Everyone's, everyone's coming down with the goddamn toddler sickness. That's how it goes. And uh, we're just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, my head is so far up my butt. Anyways, uh, let's get to some business before we start today's episode. Firstly, thank you to everybody who came to see me at the Ice House uh, it was bananas. I can't even tell you how fun it was. I sold out two shows. Uh, we added a 10 o'clock and it sold out very quickly. And I can't even, oh, I just got the chills. I can't even begin to convey uh, my absolute joy uh, at, at that. Uh, really because after, you know, 14 years of performing for people who are just trying to eat their steak, it's a real treasure to... Uh, to to perform for people who enjoy it, it's just just to willingly be there. God, it really makes all the difference in the whole world, doesn't it? Just people, just people who want to see you. So thank you very much. And uh, the train moves along. February second and third, Salt Lake City, Utah, Wise Guys Comedy Club. Uh, February twenty third, one night, one show, Calusa Casino in Calusa, California. March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon at the Helium Comedy Club. And that one looks like it's selling pretty quickly, too. So if you want to come see me, go to Christina P. online and uh, get those tickets now because it is it's going. It's the train has left the station. OK. Uh, I'm so inspired today. <laughs> I've been um, it's embarrassing, but. You know, I follow everybody on Instagram. I love Instagram. You know that. And I've recently fallen down the Cardi B rabbit hole. I know. And if you don't know who Cardi B is, I didn't either because I'm 41 years old and a mother and I don't have time for anything um, cool. But wow. I know at first I was like, not so sure. And guess what? This morning, guess what? This morning I woke up singing this jam. Fuck with me if you wanted to. These expensive, these is red bottoms, these is bloody shoes. Hit the score, I can get them both. I don't wanna choose, and I'm quick. Cut a nigga off, so don't get comfortable. Look, I don't dance now, I make money move. Say, I don't gotta dance, I make money move. If I see you now speak, that means I don't fuck with you. I'm a boss, you a worker, bitch, I make bloody move. Now she say, she Gon' do what a who? Let's find out and see. Cardi B, you know where I'm at. You know where I be. You in the club just to party. I'm there, I get paid a fee. I be in and out them banks so much, I know they tired of me. 
honestly Don't give a fuck about who in front of me Drop two mixtapes in six months What bitch working as hard as me I don't bother with these hoes Don't let these hoes bother me They see pictures, they say goals Bitch, I'm who they tryna be Look, I might just chill in some babe I might just chill with your boo I might just spill on your babe My pussy feel like a lake He wanna swim with his face I'm like, okay I let him get what he want He buy me East and Laurent And the new whip When it go fast as a horse I got the trunk in the front I'm the hottest in the streets Know you probably heard of me Got a bag and fix my teeth Hope you hoes know it ain't cheap And I pay my mama bills I ain't got no time to chill Think these hoes be mad at me They baby father wanna build Say little bitch, you can fuck with me If you wanted to These expensive, these is red bottoms These is bloody shoes Hit the score, I can get them both I don't wanna choose And I'm quick, cut a nigga off So don't get comfortable, look I don't dance now I make money moves Say I don't gotta dance I make money move. If I see you now and speak That means I don't fuck with you I'm a boss, you a worker, bitch I make bloody moves If you a pussy, you get popped You a goofy, you a op Don't you come around my way You can't hang around Uh-oh. my block there we go. This song is like, it's so funny. I first listened to it and I was like, nope, what is this dumb shit, right? And then you're like, this woman is selling so much music right now. Why she's like breaking records. She's got three hits on the top 100. It's bananas. It's bananas. So, you know, at first, like I said, I judged it. I was like, this is fucking crap. And then I was like, why do I, I'm always drawn to, I love these rags to riches stories. I love the story. I think people can, everyone can relate to being like, Hey man, I was once a stripper and now I make money moves. You're like, fuck yeah, bitch. <laughs> right. At one point we all start out as a stripper. And let me just say as a stand up comic, I have so much love for strippers because we are not that different. The stand up comedians and the strippers, uh, we are working class entertainers. You know what I'm saying? Like we deal with the real people. Uh, there is there ain't nothing bougie about no stand-up comedian because your ass is hustling across the country and you're entertaining people from all walks of life. You know what I'm saying? You got the guy that drives, uh, you know, the UPS, the FedEx truck. You got the I don't know the science professor. You've got the the girl who's a barista at Starbucks sitting in your in your audience. You've got moms dads grandpas whatever and you know it's it's kind of great that way and it's uh anyway strippers same story man (laughs) working class entertainers um and i also like what she says ma'am well first of all she pays she pays her mom's bills now if you want to pay your mom's bills i guess that's good but hey that's always a, a tricky slope, right? That's always what we talk about on this show, kind of a codependent thing going on there, Cardi. I don't know if you want to do all that. You know, Oprah has a strict no money to the family policy. That's right, Miss Oprah Winfrey. She doesn't give money to people she's related to, and I don't know. You know, I've always felt that was kind of a good policy just to keep things kind of clean. But also, I do like when she says, uh, if I see you and I don't speak, I don't fuck with you. Right? She's saying, come on now. I don't talk to you. It's because I'm not, I'm not into you, bitch. You know what I'm saying? I got, I'm making my money moves. I don't need to be with you. And, uh, <laughs> which I admire too. 
Because she's setting her boundaries, right? Cardi B has got firm boundaries. And she's like, listen, I'm not looking to lower my frequencies, lower my vibes. I got my vibe right. I'm making my money moves. Uh, Bitch, I don't need to talk to you right now. So there you go. The the philosophy and the wisdom behind Cardi B. Uh, Again, so it got me to thinking. I was thinking a lot. um, I mean, the song kind of came in at the last minute uh, unconsciously for me. Uh, about the American success myth, because uh, I was on the Facebooks, Facebook, social media, Facebook, and I came across a, one of these inspirational videos that I love, and one of them was about a celebrity. Uh, it's like, you know, they love to um, tell you the rags to riches stories, right? And this particular person had had, you know, horrible hardships growing up and, and was teased and bullied and and just horrendous upbringing. And then at the end of the the short video, it's like, oh, and then, you know, all they did was uh, focus on their goals. And a a year later, they got this thing and that thing. And then this happened and all this celebrity happened and now everything's great. And, uh, and that, and it's so funny because I think Americans culturally, we love, fucking love that storyline of rags to riches, of being from a stripper to making money moves. And that's, that's just who we are. It's just, it is who and what we stand for. And I am not an anti-capitalist. I am not a fucking communist. I like capitalism. I think it's, it's for the most part, uh, kind of worked out for us. Now, is it perfect? Of course not. Um, I, you know, I do believe in like a welfare system and helping people that can't provide, uh, but for the most part, like I said, pretty good stuff, but the mythology that success is somehow transformative in every aspect of your life is just simply inaccurate and misleading. And I think it's also why we love, um, talent competition shows. Like we love, um, you know, The Voice, American Idol, for how many seasons that horse shit ran. And all these shows where it just appears that overnight somebody can go from rags to riches. Uh, we love that shit. We love lottery winners, but then we also love to watch the lottery winners lose everything and fall into calamity. There's like a TV show based on um, just people doing that. We love it when, you know, the poor kid who didn't have a father growing up gets a football scholarship and then ends up in like a major NFL team. And then we also love it when he spends, um, you know, $20 million on customizing his van with Versace chairs and uh, video games and spends like 50 grand on chains, right? We love that too, because then we can also simultaneously exalt um, the successful person and tear them down at the same time. Now, my point being, and I've mentioned this before a few episodes back, I was watching the Jim Carrey documentary uh, about a, a man, on, man on the Moon when he played fucking Andy Kaufman. And, uh, and I like Jim Carrey very much, and I think he's very, very talented, and I think he's amazing. But he does the thing that I've seen a lot of wealthy, successful people do is where they go, well, you know, I mean, success and money that doesn't buy everything, and it, it's not everything, and I... I hope you get successful so you can see that and fuck money basically and fuck all this success. And I just think that that's really misguided as well to completely poo poo uh, the American dream and to poo poo material wealth and material comforts 
and um, the esteem of your peers or success and whatever, whatever it is you do is stupid as well. Uh, because I'll tell you, as somebody that's been both successful and unsuccessful, uh, it's really a lot better being successful. And I know some people are like, yeah, but then there's the pressure in them. You know, you have to do, it's like, yeah, but what's the alternative? Being a fucking broke, scared, anxious person or rising to the challenge of being bigger than, than you are. And I, and I understand with the American myth that that's really the thing is we love to be self-reliant. We love to, you know, um, pull ourselves up from the bootstraps and be fucking cowboys and be like, fuck this, I'm going to do it. And I love that. You know what I'm saying? That is, um, Miss P is all about getting your life, pulling your shit together, but make no mistake, material wealth and all that stuff, all the success in the world if you don't have your life right, if you don't get your life in therapy, if you don't get your life together emotionally, if your house is fucked up, by that I mean if your marriage is garbage and your relationships are garbage and your emotional world isn't together, fuck it, forget it. You're going to find a way to sabotage all the success. You're going to implode. You're going to ruin it as we've seen a time and time and time again. And that's also why we like the second part of the American success myth, the... um the imploding part because we secretly like to watch other people fail too. I mean, I do too. There's a few people, let's say on the sex, sexual assault things where I have secretly kind of given a yes to, you know what I mean? I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say who, but it's just a few people that I'm like, that's, it's kind of good that they don't have a career. I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, but the point being that I'm not poo-pooing either. Success is fantastic. Uh, getting your life together is fantastic. But you must do both if it, because it's all an inside job. If you clean up the inside, the outside comes together. And that's actually the big fucking thing I learned in my life. Hey, man, I don't know everything. I'm not uh, a doctor. So please never, ever take what I have to say as fucking anything other than just bullshit. <laughs> but uh, I will say just from my own experience that you know, you got to build something from the inside out. Otherwise, it's going to crumble from the outside in. Yeah, because you could fucking have the blood issues. You could make money moves. But bitch, you're going to fuck it all up. If you give all your money to your mama and you don't pay your taxes or whatever it is you're going to do to to unconsciously sabotage yourself. Because that's what people do. You got to be ready for that shit. You got to be ready for success, I think. I do think so. You know, I do. I think sometimes, and I think for me personally, it took me a little bit longer, maybe than some folks, because I had to clean up some shit in my house, in my heart, in my, um, you know what I'm saying, in, in my own life before. Because I'm telling you, you know, I've, I've, you attract scumbags when you're when you're when your shit ain't right and this is in love and and in relationships and everything you'll be like why am i attracting like these fucking people that just aren't treating me with respect or doing this and that and and, and screwing around and then you're like well yeah because my house isn't clean and you can't see through the fog if you're if your shit's all foggy your your windows are all fogged up from nonsense you can't see clearly man and you, you let these fucking wolves into your into your den. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, and another thing, man, you know, um, I love Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's all over social media. He wrote, um, oh, fuck, why can't I think? Anyway, look up Gary Vaynerchuk. He started Wine.com. He's a social media mogul. The guy's fucking great. He's my age. And he grew up with Russian immigrant parents. And so he's got that crazy hustle gene in him. Fuck what fucking motherfuck book did he write? And I got to fucking look him up. Gary Vaynerchuk, Crush It. That's the book. Um, and he's written a few other ones about how to make yourself known in like the the world, the digital world, how to create a brand, things like that. Um, one time he said this thing about haters. That really, I was like, yeah, dude, that's it. He's like, you know, the whole thing with haters uh, is that most of us are afraid to do stuff because other people will judge you for it. It's about the fear of what other people are going to say or do or whatever. And uh, man, that's, I I found that to be true in my life. And you have to understand, and I think this too, that most people are so self-absorbed. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. Most of us are so worried about our own neuroses that we ain't really looking at what someone else is doing. Now, the exception to that are haters, crazy people that invest time, emotional energy and comments or whatever, whatever crazy stuff they're doing to attempt to bring you down. And it's funny because I, I do see it now, the older I get, you're like, oh, that's, this is not even about me. This person's just projecting their own crap. And that's what that is. So now the thing with the haters that you're related to, uh, because count on it, dude, count on it. If, I was just going to say another addendum, I think, to like this American success story. The downside to it is that expect, please, I promise you, expect the haters, expect people to drop off your roster of friends, of people you rely on who... You know, I mean, people will fucking will hate. Haters going to hate. So uh, uh, be prepared for that. I think, um, and I don't mean do anything, but just emotionally, because that shit is real. That shit happened. That's why rappers talk about it, you know, so much, I think, because it's a thing. It's a fucking thing, man. But the worst ones are the ones that you're related to. My God. Having your own parents hater, hateration on you. <laughs> fucking, that is a special kind of mind fuckery is when your own parents are shitty to you about success. And, um, that's so funny. And I, I've experienced it myself. My family's not, they, my parents were never come on really. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I remember one time I, um, I'll give you a little story. When my mother was alive, I got a writer's job on Chelsea lately. And at the time we were living in the ghetto and it was like, this was it. Like we we're going to move, we're moving on up. We got a bottle of champagne. Pop that shit off the patio in our ghetto ass apartment. Tom and I, because we were, we were moving back to Silver Lake. You know what I mean? And um, but I remember calling my mother and telling her like, "Hey, I I got this job. I'm writing on Chelsea lately, and I you know wanted her approval and I wanted her to congratulate me. What do you think she said? Well, you know, Oprah." is having a contest to see who can work for her. And I go, wait, wh- why the fuck would I want to... No, no, did you hear me? I'm working for a comedian because I'm a comedian and I'm I'm on this great show. This is a huge gig. But Oprah is in thought of you. I go, this is fucking unbelievable. Can't you just fucking say, 
congratulations, you psycho. Like <laughs> the point being that it wasn't good enough. And why don't I go work for Oprah? It's just absurd. It's banana. Absurd. The first time I did a stand-up comedy in front of people, I invited my mom to uh, to the show, which if you're trying to be a comic, a little... In the beginning, you think it's a fun idea to invite your friends and family, and they want to see you do it too, and then and then you realize, like, I don't really want people I know watching me fucking suck at this for the next, you know, seven years. I stopped inviting people shortly after... Uh, mostly because both my parents, when they did attend my shows, uh, ruined it for me. So my mom, the first time I performed in front of an audience, I took a comedy class and I, I have no shame in my game saying that. And I advise anybody, if you're interested in something, fucking take a class, uh, read a book, study about it. That's why books have been written. There's thousands and thousands of years of human experience that's been written down for a fucking reason. Okay. Don't Google that shit. Read a book, a whole book, cover to cover. Get somebody's knowledge. Uh, suck it in. So I took a class, and the the culmination of that class was um, you do a stand-up show, and you have to invite your friends and your family because the idea being that you have a supportive environment for the first time you do something very terrifying, and I happen to agree with that. I think that is a great thing in theory if you have a family who is supportive. Now, I do not. So my mother came with my stepdad. Um, they're both dead now, but uh, and I performed, and I did okay. Hey, I didn't, you know, I had diarrhea all day. I woke up with diarrhea. I was just shit, 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 shit. I shit up until the moment I performed that day. I'll never forget how ner- I was so nervous, um, but I got through it, and I got some laughs, and I was hooked and I decided, uh, oh, and I didn't sleep that night. I was so excited because I thought, oh, this is it. I found the thing. This is it. This is it. This is so fucking amazing. I was 26 years old and, um, and I had found my calling. I just knew it. I just knew this is the thing. So I get off stage and I had gotten last, by the way. I did not bomb. I did not bomb. Now, was I Carlin? No. Was I Louie? No. Was I Richard Pryor? No. But I was good enough. My mother says to me, you did okay. I mean, it's not that what you are saying is funny, but like how you say it. I'm like, what? <laughs> so she couldn't even give me the one thing, like, you know how hard it is to get up and do something the first time. I was like, you got to be fucking shitting me. And the second time, I was heckled by my own father uh, at the Laugh Factory. I made the mistake of inviting him and some other Hungarian friends of his. And I was telling jokes about my family or being Hungarian or something stupid like that. And out of the crowd, my dad yells, bullshit. He fucking heckles me. Now, (laughs) I mean... That's just, listen, listen, listen. There's other stuff maybe one day I will share, but those two experiences, you're like, really? You fucking pieces of shit. And that's why, my dear little chitlins, my sweet little boo-boos, I don't fucking, I, whenever somebody says, I need support, or I need people to come to the show, or I need this and I need a backup support for, for pursuing my dream. No, you don't. No, you really don't. You got to self-motivate because I fucking hated my family and uh, they never supported me. So there you go. <sighs> Expect the haters, man. Haters don't hate. Even the motherfuckers that raised you. Ooh. Okay. Let's go on. We have some emails to get into. Very excited. Let's do our intro song. 
You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay. Now, let me go on. There's so many good ones that came in. So many juicers, man. I'm going to start with here because uh, this is kind of apropos our current discussion. This person says, hi, jeans. I've recently come across that deep bro and has definitely helped me move forward and start going to therapy. Yeah, doggy, to get my life. Good for you. I have this really awesome and supportive boyfriend who has a passion to start comedy. He signed up for a beginner class at a local comedy club. I'm not going to say where, to start learning how to write and perform. And he was so excited. Then I was offered an amazing job opportunity in another city. So amazing that we decided we would move there so I could follow my career. He didn't even think twice about coming with me, but now he can't attend the comedy class and he thinks he should just give up on comedy since he doesn't know of any places in this new city to start. I can't help but feel guilty that I am following my dream and now he has to put his on hold. What can I do to help him still focus on comedy in this new city and not feel bad that I stopped his dream? I just wish I could be as supportive for him as he is for me. Thank you and keep doing what you're doing. Okay, this is from a lady. Um, <laughs> to quote the great Dave Chappelle, uh, he's got this great joke about the, the women that Louis C.K. masturbated in front of. Um, because those two girls were like, that incident made me want to stop stand-up comedy. And he goes, damn, bitch, you got that brittle of a personality? <laughs> to which I would say, damn, bitch, you got that brittle of a, a fucking want? Moving cities is going to be the deal breaker for this guy's lifelong dream of becoming a stand-up comic? Well, then he don't have the dream. You know what I'm saying? Changing cities and you're moving to another major city, uh, it shouldn't fucking deter him. And A, it's his choice to to dump the class and follow you. And B, you haven't stopped. You can't stop anybody's dream. You can't um you can't you can't make somebody cheat on you. There's a lot of shit that you have no control over. And I, I appreciate your sentiment of wanting to be like a supportive girlfriend. Uh but it's totally his his thing. And what you can't... Yeah, I mean, look. You, comedy doesn't not exist everywhere. You can... There's a, And I always tell this to kids that are like, I want to I wanna, uh, uh, perform, but I live in this shit fuck town where there's no comedy clubs. Well, then start your own room. Go down to the local bar, the local coffee house, and offer an off night to them. Hey, I'll do Tuesday nights. I'll bring people in where there normally aren't any. And let's do a comedy night. And then you make your own stage time. So the idea that you could stop somebody's dream is just preposterous. It's just not, it's just not, it's not even possible. Um, I know it would be different if you were like, we're married for a decade, we've got kids and I have to move and I've ruined, that's different. Then yeah, you've totally crushed this dude's life. But (laughs) you're young. It doesn't sound like you have a lot of obligation um oh man but you're not responsible for this guy's dream ruined and by the way if he turns that shit on you he might in like a year or two and be like i was gonna go to this class in the city and then you made me move to this fucking town be like bitch i did not tell you to do that crazy train that's on you so actually if i were you i would switch it switch the the dialogue already because i know there are comedy clubs in this other city that you guys are moving to 
tell him to go find a new fucking class. You know what I'm saying? Because it ain't his dream if it's that brittle. It's not his dream. Maybe it's a whim. Maybe it's a fart. It's a fart thought, but it ain't, it ain't his dream, so don't worry about it. And you don't have that much power to ruin somebody's dream. You really don't. I mean, I, I, you really don't. <laughs> Who are you? I mean, you're not that powerful. I really wish I could crush other people's dreams, <laughs> but you can't. No, you can't. You can't do it, Mommy. All right. I like that one. That was silly. Um, okay, this one kind of, this one I love this shit too. This is my fucking wheelhouse, dude. Have I mentioned I'm not a medical doctor or therapist? I have no degree in any of this. <laughs> this is not a substitute for actual therapy, please, or actually seeing somebody who's qualified. This is just like I've lived a little and I can tell you what I know, but even what I know is probably not 100% right, guys. Come on. I love this one. Um, a 26-year-old female and recent college grad. Congratulations. This is my first and only degree, mainly due to the fact that I dropped out of the first, out the first time around to be a full-time party girl. Hilarious. This did not sit well with my controlling, narcissistic Korean father. In fact, the whole reason that I dropped out of college the first time was because He had forbidden me to pursue anything that I was truly interested in. I compromised for a major that I was not passionate about at a school in my hometown that I hated. After three years of binge drinking, constantly smoking pot, getting fat like Bert, yep, and accomplishing nothing as a waitress, I decided to leave my suffocating hometown and get my life. I went back to school for what I truly love and began excelling. I cut back drinking drastically, stopped smoking pot, and began working out regularly and eventually lost the extra weight. Wow, congratulations. My father is controlling, narcissistic, and emotionally abusive. As of right now, we do not speak. Like you discuss on your podcast frequently, I decided to cut a toxic relative out of my life to improve it. And it works very well for me. I have graduated college with honors in early December and I got a job, a job offer with an amazing company. I've been interning for less than a month later. It's a great job with benefits with a high salary for someone right out of college and even for someone my age. I recently found out that my mother... That every day since I've graduated, my dad started nagging her, asking when I was going to get a job. He can't do this to me since I won't talk to him. So he decides to torture her instead. Now that he knows that I did did secure a job, almost immediately he has started telling my mother what I need to do about things like a 401k, taxes, etc., knowing that she'll pass the word along to me. It deeply upsets me that after this long... He is still making an attempt to control me, a grown woman, through my poor mother who reluctantly obeys his every whim. So my question is, now that I'm on a good path and will soon be completely financially independent, how do I keep my father out of it? Uh, Did you have struggles like this with your mom when she was still alive? I just want to be my own person and live the life I want. Yes, absolutely. Help. Great. I fucking love this email. Um, Hey, first of all, congratulations on getting your life and turning your ship around. Holy cow. I will say that, uh, that is very rare by the way that you, you blew 33 years of an education drinking and getting fat and then you turned it around like you did. 
Amazing. Congratulations. Now that's getting your life, dude. Woo! Bitch done got her life. I love it. I love hearing this. That is fantastic. See, you're a great kid. You're a great girl. It sounds like you got your shit together. And it sounds like you got some parents that need to be regulated. Boundaryfied. Boundaryfied. You feel me? You got to put some shit down. Okay. Now here's what you're going to do. <laughs> here's what here's what's worked for me um, historically with psycho parents. You're going to have a gatekeeper. Okay. Um, what that means. Okay. You've cut contact with, with the psycho parent. Great. I see no reason to go back to communicating with him. It doesn't sound like it's a relationship that is beneficial for you in any way, shape or form. And right now, if that's what's working, great. Keep doing it. Now, what do you do? You can't expect anything from them, right? The parent that is a fucking trash heap. Uh, But what you can do is protect yourself, right? I talk about that a lot on the show, protecting yourself. And you've designated your mother as the, um, the telephone between you and dad, right? And that's a really good strategy. So far, that's a great strategy. Except for the fact that your mother does not understand that her job as the, um, the mediator is to only give you information that is pertinent to you, pertinent to your life, stuff that you would like to know. Um, so if you want her to be your mediator, I would just sit down and be like, dude, listen, listen, I really appreciate you talking to dad and soaking in all this horse shit, but here's what's up. I don't want to hear every one of his thoughts. If it has to deal with X, Y, and Z, those are the only topics I would like to know. You know, for instance, um, is dad dying? Is he ill? Is he homeless? Um, these are the three things that I want to know about or whatever it is. I don't know what your, your wants are, what information you would like to know from your dad. You decide. Be very explicit with her. Um, she's the filter. And right now she's not doing a good job of being the filter of protecting you from your father because she's downloading to you what has been downloaded to her. So either you need to find a new mediator. I don't know if you have a sibling, an uncle, an aunt, whomever. Um, So I don't know. She needs a talking to in terms of what the filters are, a search filter, right? (laughs) Tell her, dude, I don't want to fucking hear this 401k shit. Don't tell me this. I don't want to hear it. Here's what I, this is the only stuff I want to know. Um, and for those of us that have crazy parents, I remember, um, like when mail would come, I would just have my husband open it or emails would come in from my mother when she was living, have him read it first. And, and I would ask him, Hey, is there anything in there pertinent to me that I must know any death, any, whatever the fuck is happening. And if not, I don't want to know the contents. It's just as simple as that. And this goes for any of you. Uh, people listening that have parents that are problematic that you're not talking to, designate a mediator, a spouse, uh, a relative who can filter the information, the the need to know. Maybe a, a sibling to you know the codependent, uh, the codependent sibling who still is in deep contact with them. Dad, mom needs us. You guys don't know. She's called me and she's so upset and I better go over there. I just need to go over there. Talk. Go ahead. Please go. Go over there. Shit. You fucking talk to her. I don't want to talk to her. Um, when I take a bite of a walnut as I'm recording a podcast. Good job. 
the point is, excuse me, you don't need to know all this stuff. And that's what's upsetting you because it's getting through to you and it's firing you all up and it's triggering the shit out of you. So you got to protect your neck, son. Protect yourself and let your mom know. And if she can't do the job of filtering, tell her, hey, then you know what? We're going to have to go to another filter because you're not doing a good job. <laughs> I just got into a Korean soap opera, actually. I um, When I was in Korea, South Korea, obviously, years ago, I became obsessed with their television. And I love, I fucking love Korean TV shows. And I would be so upset because I can't understand what's happening. And I fell in love with their commercials they're so cute. There was one for um, Eto de House. Eto de House. It's like a cosmetics company, and this guy and this girl were singing, and it even got me to go to the Eto de House store just to see what <laughs> well, what it was all about. I was so interested in Korean culture. So anyway, last night on Netflix, I found um, a Korean like story, a show about five female roommates living together. It's fascinating because I'm like, now I can finally understand. I know what these people are saying to each other and how they relate and how like that whole cultural dynamic thing. It's so interesting to me. It's so interesting. I'm just fascinated. Humans are endlessly fascinating. So anyways, my love, it's too bad that immigrant shit, huh? Man, Well, I tell you, you've got immigrant parents. I feel like that automatically puts you in a whole new category of life. That you know, because then you're just getting raised by space aliens. It's not their fault. I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, but you know, you're you're getting raised by people that are just culturally not similar to anything you're experiencing. It's so hard. Like I remember going to school in crazy Hungarian, you know, red shoes and a traditional vest folk vest that my mother gave me from Hungary, you know, rocking your whack-ass immigrant gear and the kids making fun of me (laughs) or just like going home and eating like, you know, breaded cow brains for dinner. Mm, What's for dinner, mom? Veal? Breaded cow brains? You know, your blood sausage? Yep. Hey, have your friend come over for dinner. Why don't you try that? That's fun. You know what I mean? Like little stuff, like your fucking house smells different than American kids. I hated that, especially when she got remarried to the Indian guy. Holy shit. Then the house smelled like curry and paprika. The the walls were stained yellow from saffron on everything. Jesus Christ. People came over. All our furniture was laminated. Why is there plastic on your couch? Because I'm a fucking foreigner, dude. And if you don't, if you're either black or foreign, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. The your shit was laminated, all your furniture, because you want it to last, is going to last until you go to college, and then I give it to you. (laughs) As if you wanted that whack-ass couch from 1984 that everybody's been farting on for the last 20 years, right? Thanks, Mom. Thanks for preserving this couch, this uh, multicolored velour couch. Thank you so much. What a treasure in my new home. (laughs) Unreal. And just speaking a different language at home, all that you learn English differently. Oh, uh, it's it's it is quite a different. And I can't imagine Korean, man, because that is another that is a whole other a whole other lane of existence. That is really Eastern stuff, boy. Fascinating shit. <sighs> wow. All right, let's um, let me see. Oh, I got this email, and I thought it was kind of cool. 
Okay, so this one comes in from Nick, and he writes, I'm in an indie band, and we're touring, and we have a we have a good record out. Oh, congrats. You could say we're making a go of it, but we're still totally DIY at this point. I'm doing all of the booking and promo. Over the last two years, I've logged thousands of hours and begun to get an understanding, I think, of how this business works. You know the deal, I'm sure. So based on this insight... I say that before our next tour, we need to schedule a photo shoot with a pro we know. It'll cost $350. Drop in the bucket. Two of my bandmates argued that that would be a waste of money. We could just get someone's girlfriend to take some on her iPhone. Not saying I'm always right or that I'm an expert, but I at least have some real world experience to draw from. They're shooting from the hip. Have you ever had to deal with this and how would you handle it? Well, here's the good news about being a comic. It's pretty solo. Um, that being said, the music business differs a tad from <clears throat> comedy because you guys really like image is very, very important. I think that it's like half the game, right? Is what you look like. Who's the front guy? Is he hot or the girl or whatever? And what's your style? Um, really different. I mean, look at the Beatles. Do you think they would have been... Uh, the Beatles so much if they didn't have the haircuts that completely freaked out the world, long hair, boys with long hair, this and that, and the attitudes and the outfits. So yeah, image is really important. Now here's the good news. You're an indie band, which means uh, the more DIY and shittier things are, I think the fans kind of like it more. (laughs) Um, but imagery is uh, it's so important in music, I think. Um, now, now, here's what I'll tell you. Here's a little lesson I learned about um, the Beastie Boys and Paul's Boutique, which I've talked about before on this show. Those guys at the time were just staying in a house in Hollywood, and they found a camera, and uh, I forget which one of the guys, I think Adam, I don't know, bought like a fisheye lens through the fisheye lens, I don't know how much the camera costs. I'm sure not a lot because they probably didn't have a ton of money back in the time or whatever. And they went behind the house and all the trees in the forest. And one of the dudes, one of the Beastie Boys took pictures of them with a fisheye lens. Now, for those of you who are fans of the Beastie Boys, you know that those are kind of iconic to who they are. The fisheye lens and the, the wearing ridiculous suits and very important, but it was also kind of DIY, right? In a way, because it came from them creatively. And that's why it worked because it came from them creatively. $350 is a fucking drop in the bucket, but here's what you can do um, to assuage your bandmates. I would just be like, dude, listen, why don't we try it your way first? We'll try it on an iPhone. Look at them. If they look bad, We'll hire the profesh. And, you know, Bob is your uncle. Done. Give them a chance to fail or not. Because um, I don't know, 350 bucks, it's not a lot. You can do a fucking Kickstarter or whatever. It's one gig. And you can, I don't know, buy your own camera. Do, do it your fucking self. But you do need good photos. That's absolutely uh, truth. Um, image is important. Now, it's not to say you can't do it yourself. There's both. There's and by the way, I paid a lot of money for photographers that were supposedly a maze. And you're like, these are dog shit, dude. You get like one or two good one photos out of fucking three hours, and you're like, why am I paying this asshole? Um, but you are paying these assholes for proper lighting, 
uh, proper photos. So yeah, but maybe that's later down the road for you guys too. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's when you guys are making a little more money. You can afford to go to the big photographer and have the spread done. But in the beginning I pulled favors. Um, I had a friend, Brian sides, take photos of me in downtown LA on top of buildings, rooftops. And those are still like my favorite shots. And he's not a professional. He's just a guy who I'm friends with. He and his wife, Kat, and he took some dope pictures that to this day are like my favorite ones. And that was just him wanting to try out his new camera. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a friend who takes really dope pictures? Someone that's interested in you guys? Someone that likes you? Uh, yeah, find that person. And from what I understand to promo shots and stuff, like if it's just you guys holding a dog or something in the record business, like that, that's gay. Like it definitely should come from, from who you are as a band identity. Like what is it about you that's, that makes sense. I love my rock star photos. I think they're so, there's a great one um, in the green room of the Wiltern theater here when Tom did a show of Frank Zappa sitting on the toilet and it's huge and it's framed and it's in the shitter. And I was like, dude, that's so fucking, it's so great. Because we like our rock stars to have images. It is very important. It is very important. Look at Nirvana. Look at those fucking indie. I like even, you know, look at your look at your biggies. Modest Mouse, my favorite. Those guys always have crazy good photos. They're just weird. All right, I got, I'll do one more. <laughs> this is great. I love this shit. This is a long email, so I'm just going to... This person... Dear Mommy Bro, I have a situation at my job, and I would love your take on it. I work in a small creative department, and recently one of our team members went through a nasty breakup, the result of an ill-fated relationship. Okay, so this person's downloading. She left the spouse of 30 years for a younger alcohol... Oh, it's a man. Left the spouse for a bipolar woman. It's a mess, okay? It's a mess. Uh, this person just calls himself T. Jeans, I must ask how I know this level of detail. Because <laughs> he writes in detail what this person has said to, to him. Um, how do I know this level of detail about a coworker's personal business? It is because this person insists on blurting out every detail of the relationship and problems while at work, often plunking down in my office and bending my ear for up to 45 minutes. <laughs> If I happen to say hello or run into him, I find myself in the same situation, listening to venting and far more info than is appropriate to share with a coworker. This person also vomits the same stuff on Facebook constantly. And while I have blocked the posts, others see them and tell me about it. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I'm trying to be supportive and have recommended, wait for it, therapy over and over, but the oversharing and complaining continues. I am sympathetic but I am frustrated hearing the same thing over and over, losing valuable time and focus. I can only recommend therapy so many times and so many ways unless I learn a new language and start recommending it in other languages. <laughs> I've even tried leaving the lights in my office off so he does not know I'm there. <laughs> that resulted in listening to rants in the dark. A couple of coworkers and I have banged, banded together to rescue each other from the ear bending if we notice someone has been caught. And as you can imagine, it's causing stress. I think he's trying to get better, so I don't want to say anything unkind that could add to the pain. 
Also, I don't want to say something to management that might result in him losing his job. On the other hand, I wonder if this person is unstable and it makes me nervous. Our HR department knows about the issues and are working with him. He's done a couple of therapy sessions, but clearly there's a long road ahead. I want to be supportive, but is literally getting too deep, bro. Would love your thoughts. Hilarious. (laughs) I mean, who hasn't had one of these people in their lives? I used to sit next to a girl when I worked at um, a company that sold um, infomercial airtime. Yeah, one of my glamorous jobs in my 20s. I was an assistant. And all the assistants sat in a row, and this girl broke up with her boyfriend. Rather, the boyfriend had broken up with her. And it was like every day on a loop, the sadness about the boyfriend, the phone calls about the boyfriend, the ranting about the boyfriend, the boyfriend, the boyfriend. And I had to sit next to her. And it got to the point where I went to HR and I was like, look, listen, I cannot, I can't take it anymore. I can't do my job because she's distracting me all day, every day with this boyfriend horse shit. So they moved me and that was much better. But I feel your pain and we have all had that office person the, the fucking vampire. So you say that you've spoken with HR and they are working on it. Um, not well enough. I would complain again to the HR person and you're not getting him and you're not going to get him fired. He's going to get a talking to, I don't think people get fired over this kind of shit. They are too afraid to fire people over um, this. And if you are afraid that he's mentally unstable, maybe he is. Um, and maybe you're doing him a favor by getting him fired. If that does happen, I, I don't know that that would, but whatever. So how do you, how do you set a firm boundary with somebody who is clearly in pain and clearly in need of a therapeutic ear? And you said that you've recommended therapy and that's exactly what you should do. Um, you know what? I think a little bit of honesty might help a little bit of look, sir, whatever your name is, Jack. Ricky, Jim, uh, I know you're in a lot of pain and I know that this is very hard for you, but I'm going to get fired if I sit here and listen for 45 minutes. Maybe not that way. I'm fucking rude. You can't say this. Like, look, dude, I I hear you and I'm sorry. I just, I have so much work to do and uh, I'm going to get in trouble if I, if we, you know, get into these discussions during work hours. And uh, I don't think you want to listen to him outside of work hours. (laughs) Um, But I would politely decline, you know, when he wants to camp out, be like, bro, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Because I've done this to people who have wanted to download. And guess what? They just move on to the next person who's willing to listen. So uh, luckily, they always seem to find a sympathetic ear. So what you need to stop being is that sympathetic ear. Now, I'm not saying go out of your way to avoid him, like turning the lights off. That's totally something I would have done too, by the way. <laughs> We've all done that to the needy coworker too. You know where you guys plan out your lunch plans and exclude that one person and you all sneak out. We've fucking done that. Oh, let's go meet at the sandwich place. Don't tell so-and-so. Okay, I'm going to get up at this time. You get up at that time. We'll go meet at the elevator. <laughs> no need to do that, but I'm telling you, People can sense that once you start shutting it down a little bit, you know, hey man, I'm so sorry. I'd love to hear this, but I really can't right now. You know, I really have a lot of work to do and I, I really need to focus right now. Um, you know, I would, I would go there. I would just, I would, you know what I would do when he gets into your office? Stand up. Oh, hey, 
hey, I got to go to the bathroom, but on my way out, <laughs> like you're fucking, uh, you know what I mean? So you can walk him out. Do you have a door? Close it. That was my favorite thing to do when I worked in offices. I would keep that shit shut all day long, all day long. And I worked for a really nice Midwestern guy and he'd be like, why don't you keep your door open? I'm like, because if I keep it open, I will be interrupted every five minutes, every five minutes. Some jack off's going to come in here and talk to me about their weekend or the donuts in the break room, or they're going to ask me what I'm doing for lunch. I don't want to have any conversations. I need to focus. So, you know, it, it, it looked antisocial, but I got my shit done. You have to be a little assertive here. You have to be not afraid to be a little bit of a prick because people will take advantage of your kindness, unfortunately. And um, I'd rather have people saying I'm antisocial with my door shut all day and get my shit done and make my money and, and make money moves. You know what I'm saying? I want to strip no more. Um, I'm focused on work, bro. Like, I'm not here to make friends. You don't have to say all that to him, but... You know, once you just get a little unfriendly, <laughs> it fucking works, bro. You know, like uh, a lot of people don't really talk to me in public and I mastered that because I wear sunglasses indoors. Uh, like at the grocery store. I went, this happened when I was younger. In your 20s, dudes will talk to you constantly, constantly as a woman. This is before I became an older married bitch. But um, what I like to do, I put on those big ass shades, dark as fuck, and I... Do my do my business. Keep my eyes forward. Don't talk to me. You got to shut it out. You know what I'm saying? On airplanes, got my earbuds in. Shutting it off. Night welcome. Don't talk to me, dude. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. And, and, and is it an asshole thing? A little bit, yeah. But you got to protect yourself, son. You got to protect your own psychic energy because these emotional vampires will leech the goddamn life out of you if they know they can. So if they know they can't, they can't get away with this nonsense, then they're going to move on to somebody else. That's the beauty of it. And don't worry, you're not hurting him. You're not hurting him because he's so oblivious. He's so not keyed in to what he's doing to everyone else. It's not even going to register, okay? That's another thing about these people. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about hurting their feelings because they're not worried about you. He's not worried about you losing your job. What about you? Have you thought about that? You think your boss wants you going into deep therapy sessions for 45 minutes with this dude when you could be working on his project? Hell no. I guarantee that. So think about you, bro. Do you want to be fucking jobless? No. Then get in your game and fuck this dude. Let him, let him get his ass in therapy. And you may want to say to him, look, man, I've been listening to you for, you know, X amount of time. I know you're in a lot of pain. I might even say to him, I'm not qualified. I'm afraid that I'm not qualified to help you with this. I like you. I think you're a good person. I'm not qualified to help you. You need to go see somebody that is. And just take yourself out of the listening equation. That's another one I've had to do to people before too. Hey man, this is way above my fucking pay grade, bro. I can't do this shit with you. Hey, and if he doesn't like you, fuck him. Fuck him, bro. Who cares? You know, um... It's interesting with this Aziz Ansari thing. I don't know if you've heard yet, but he's the latest to be um, accused or whatever of sexual misconduct. Um, it's a great, it's a great read. Read it. Uh, it's so gross. His encounter with this girl. It's just like, oh my god, what a nightmare! <laughs> what a fucking nightmare! And we've, you know, if you've if you've been in your twenties, you've probably had an encounter similar. Um, but he's 34 and she was like 22 or 23. And so there's really no excuse for him being that oblivious. But basically, 
you know, there were signs misread and he insisted on keeping trying to have sex with this girl. (laughs) And she's like, I really didn't want to. I really don't. She was trying to give him nonverbal cues and this and that. Hey, nobody's right, wrong. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that in our culture, girls need to be taught to be unlikable. Our people, men, women, everybody, to be unlikable. You know that the biggest thing, people get, people get stabbed, people get kidnapped, people get fucked up by crazy people, stabbed, killed, kidnapped, because they're afraid of seeming rude. Did you know that? There's a book, I think, called The Gift of Fear, and that is, that's what these assholes prey upon, these uh, these boundary steppers, these sexual assaulters, these kidnappers, these rapists, these scumbags of the world, these emotional vampires, they count on you not asserting your boundaries. They count on you being afraid of being unlikable. Yeah, it's true. The majority of women who are who get abducted or whatever it is, they're afraid. Like, for instance, there was a story I think I heard of a woman who got into an elevator or or whatever it is. No, no, no. It's the Buffalo Bill thing. Look, it's fucking Silence of the Lambs. You know, uh, can I... Uh, he, he asked her, you need some help with your couch to push it into the van? Yeah, I guess so. Why don't you get in the, get in the van, right? And she, you see her hesitate for a minute in Silence of the Lambs. She hesitates. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of getting in the van, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm afraid of offending this guy. I don't want to seem rude. And... What happens? Put the lotion in the basket happens because she doesn't want to say no. She doesn't want to be rude to the psycho who's about to ruin her life. That's what I'm saying, folks. You got to say no to these people because they don't care. They don't fucking care about your rudeness. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Buffalo Bill is going to move on or whatever his fucking lotion in the basket. He's going to move on to some other girl. Don't worry about it. He's not up at night. Don't be up at night worrying about this fucking asshole's hurt feelings. Don't worry. He, he's, he's so clued out. He needs somebody to check him at this point. He needs somebody to be like, bro, get your life together. You need to, you're a mess. You're a goddamn mess. And HR ain't doing it. I don't know why, but complain again. But that's right. That's a big one for women, man. The fear of being disliked. Whoo. Boy, they teach us to be polite from the minute we come out of the womb uh, smile. Why don't you smile? Why don't you go give so-and-so a hug? Boy, that one makes my asshole pucker. Go give them a hug. Go give them, go give uh, uncle so-and-so a kiss. Why? She doesn't want to do it. Why are you making her do that? Why are you making your son do that? Why are you making any kid give somebody affection that they're not feeling that towards? That's my number one pet peeve, man. Go give them a kiss. Hello. Great. Now you've just groomed your kid to be a boundary stepped by fucking creepers, man. No, you don't have to touch anybody. You have to kiss anybody you want to fucking kiss. Makes me crazy, man. (laughs) I encourage my son to be rude. Don't even look at him. Don't worry about it. But no, but seriously, uh, for girls especially, man, and I get it in your 20s, you don't want to seem like that girl. You don't want to say no. You don't want to be, especially if somebody's famous and you're hooking up with them or whatever, but... (laughs) We all got to get over the fear of being unlikable. What's what's going to happen? You know, someone doesn't like you. Boo fucking who? You get some nasty emails. You know how many people don't like me? I got to read these emails. What a piece of shit I am every day. <laughs> you think I give a fuck? No. No. Zero fucks given. I don't care because it's, that's their problem, not mine. So there you go. 
This is funny. This guy writes, also, Glenn Danzig called and said to tell you he ain't no goddamn son of a bitch and you better think about it. (laughs) You better think about it, baby. You better think about it. What a fucking weird dialogue or weird lyric, I mean. Yeah, I I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. You better think about it, baby. (laughs) Why? Uh, You better think about it, baby, babe. It's so funny. You can say anything in music, huh? Do this fig people sing about fucking nonsense. Nonsense. But I don't even know what a Bodak is, do you know? Let me know. Email me. Try me. Uh, that's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what Bodak Yellow means. And then she's got another one. I don't know what the fuck Cardi B is talking about, but I like it. Beatrix? What the fuck is this bitch saying? Here, let's go find it. Hold on. I don't dance no more. I got money moves. <laughs> Now, who doesn't like a stripper who became a superstar? That's just the American story right there. That's the American... Oh, Bardier Cardi. What the fuck is Bardier? I mean, I'm, I feel like an old person. What is Bardier? I like the song, though. Oh, oh, come on. Get into it. I hate these long intros. So silly, I love it. <laughs> okay. Can't do it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Email me. That's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Please come to see me do a live show um, pretty soon. It'll be fun. It's always fucking fun, bros. All right. Listen, man. Get your life. Enjoy your life. Uh, don't let the man get you down. Don't let the upside down get you down. Do not become cynical. Do not fall. Pray to the low frequency having motherfuckers out there because uh, you know what? F all the haters. Look at the machines within and F all the haters. All right, bros. Until next week. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.